before we get started with today's interview, I have to tell you about the biggest sale ever, and that is the Giza Dream Sheets. They are as low as $29.99. Ladies, you can't even get that in TJ Maxx, okay? Only at MyPillow. But listen, I got to tell you something because I have these and I swear, no matter how many times I have washed the Giza sheets, they feel like the very first time I put them on my bed. I love the Giza Dream Sheets and they are available starting as low as $29.99 at MyPillow.com. All you need to do to get that deal is use promo code ROSE, promo code ROSE, MyPillow.com. Giza Dream Sheets, they are a dream. They really, really are. Unencumbered by political correctness, undeterred in her mission to spread the truth, unafraid to be a true conservative, she's unapologetic, uncompromising, unwavering, and an undeniably powerful voice when we need it most. This is my fight song. This is Rose Unplugged. Welcome to this episode of Rose Unplugged. Very excited about my guest today. He is speaker Newt Gingrich. I had the opportunity to run into him and actually pick his brain for a little bit at Sean Hannity's town hall. Speaker, how are you today? I'm doing great, and uh, these are very exciting times. These really are, and I have to say that I I am so happy to have you on because I have always looked at you as probably one of the best political minds in in my time, and I always respect what you have to say and appreciate what you have to say about elections. And, you know, I started thinking about this today. How is it that Speaker Newt Gingrich so much understands elections? And And I don't think it's because... You were a politician. I think it's because even though you were a politician, you were able to really keep your finger on the pulse of Americans. Would you agree to that? Well, I think that's part of it. I think part of it is that I'm a historian. So I try to take things and look, put them into the context of other times and other places and what's happened elsewhere. And then part of it is I, I really believe in Lincoln's formula, government of the people, by the people, and for the people. And that means... You have to spend a lot of time every single day listening to the American people. You know, and that that makes a lot of sense. And when I was talking to you uh, right before Sean Hannity's town hall, I did ask you what you thought, because you are known for your contract with America, which really was all about understanding what Americans needed and how we needed to get back on track here in this country. And I asked you how that might compare to um, the GOP's commitment to America, which was unveiled by uh, Speaker McCarthy uh, not too long ago, right here in Southwestern PA. Well, I think that uh, the commitment to America is a brilliant concept. And I think that Uh, Kevin really set out over a year ago and had seven working groups developing ideas. If you go to commitmenttoamerica.com, you'll see over 150 ideas. And it's what the country needs. We we need need to focus on positive solutions 
to solve our problems, to get us back in the game, uh, to give every American a chance to lead a full life and to pursue happiness. And I think that uh, the commitment to America is for this generation what the contract of, with America was in 1994. You know, and when you talk about having your finger on the pulse and understanding what it is that the people need right now, because we collectively were experiencing the same thing, the economy, crime, the border, the the scares with fentanyl poisoning. And, you know, it's interesting when you note that uh, President Biden has not really been asked by many to stump uh, for for them in their uh, campaigns. Uh, we had President, former President Obama out there, but he's got a real tough sell, hasn't he? Yeah, I I think that uh, part of what's happened is that President Biden has become so unpopular that as a practical matter, uh, most candidates don't want him near them. And and, uh, in fact, one of the most effective things Republicans can do is tie their Democratic opponent to Biden. Right. So, you know, so he's he basically has to go on vacation in Delaware (laughs) and try to stay out of the race. Uh, The only places he's going are either extremely Democrat or hopeless. So he went to Florida for two races that have that they're clearly going to lose, but at least he showed up and tried to look good. You know, I think Obama's kind of a voice out of the past. I, I, I don't know that he's very effective. He might marginally increase turnout among Democratic partisans, but he's not going to reach out and convince anybody who's an independent or, or who uh, is unhappy about high prices and unhappy about the border and unhappy about crime or unhappy about radicalism in the schools. So in that sense, I think the Democrat problem is that they really are who they are and that their record really is what it is. And people now know it. Right. When you think about what it is right now, when you talk about the economy, crime, the border and so forth, did you ever think that in just two short years it could get this bad? No, I, I'm I'm really amazed, and, and and I would have said to you, if you had asked me in January and February and March after Biden first took over, uh, could they do this much damage this quickly? I would have said I don't think so. I think that they are they're both more radical and frankly dumber, and then the the combination of the two is just devastating. Whether it's Afghanistan or it's the price of gasoline or it's the uh, the growing shortage of diesel fuel. I mean, you you look around, you can't imagine how many things they're doing wrong. But don't they, I, you know, the interesting thing is, well, of course they can't admit it. And that's part of the problem. If we could admit that we've got a problem or an issue with all of these, uh, er, in all these areas, then perhaps we would be on our way to um, resolving those issues. And uh, they haven't done that. But they've got to know that. And, and Democrats, and here's where I get confused. And perhaps, Speaker, you can tell me um, how this works out. Because even Democrats have got to know when you look at some of these races um, now, thank God just recently we were seeing that Dr. Oz is looking in a much stronger position. I am a surrogate for Dr. Oz. Uh, I think he's a great guy and I think he's going to do well representing us here in Pennsylvania. But when you consider how close that race is, even after Democrats have seen the debate and I use that term loosely. It was very difficult to debate uh, on the issues because one person was lying a lot, and the other, and, and, and that same person had a difficult time, perhaps even expressing their viewpoints. But how is it, Mr. Speaker, that we have so many Democrats still willing to pull that Democratic lever? Well, I, th- I think that the party loyalty is pretty deep, and I think they understand that 
um, <clears throat> a, a left-wing Fetterman who's totally incompetent would at least vote for Schumer, uh, whereas uh, Dr. Oz, who is you know, dramatically more competent, uh, is going to vote as a conservative. And I think so. I think if you're a hardline liberal, uh, you'd rather have Fetterman with all of his weaknesses. But I do think the polls have shown a very significant shift towards Oz. And I do think it's a combination of the crime issue where Fetterman has been uh, probably the most pro-murderer statewide candidate in mm. American history. It's astonishing. You know, he voted to Fetterman voted to release 25 different murderers when nobody else on the on the parole board would vote with him. Right. So he is by himself. And I think when people look at that and you look at the level of crime in Philadelphia, the level of crime in Pittsburgh, uh, that's probably been as big a drag uh, as his health issues. You know, and when we look at some of the other races, too, across the country, I mean, it's interesting to watch when we see Wisconsin, Nevada, Michigan, Arizona, for God's sakes, New York even. And you see these races looking like a little better for the GOP. It's shifting in, in many of those states. Um, you know, and the fact that we're spending money in places like Rhode Island and New York and others, there's there's something going on here, isn't there? I mean, there's been a real shift. Yeah. Well, I, I, you know, my, I want to see the votes next week. But my sense of it is that there's a really big shift. I, I was in the minneapolis airport um monday morning and a man came up to me from a blue collar community uh, superior wisconsin uh he said uh, they steadily voted democrat for about 75 years they're now so mad at the school board oh. for its radical position on transgenderism and on race and on and on uh, attacking american history that uh, he thinks for the first time in 75 years the town is going to elect a republican state legislator and uh that sort of thing is going on all over the country. Uh, Latinos, for example, are, are moving dramatically towards the Republican Party. And according to the Wall Street Journal, and this is really hard to believe, but between August and October, 26% of suburban women switched from Democrat to Republican. And I think it's a combination of the price of food uh, and uh, the education issue uh, and uh, crime. Oh, I agree. But one out of every four women in the suburbs switched from Democrat to Republican in the last two months, according to the Wall Street Journal. That's, That's astonishing. It is astonishing. And and listen, I thought to myself, you know, you watch this. I mean, we all have access now and it invades our homes, anything on social media platforms. And you're watching the crime and how frightening it is. And any mom out there, anyone who has a child is thinking, God, I that scares me. It scares me more than anything else. Even the economy, it scares me more. Well, I think that's right. And I think I think that what you're seeing with, with fentanyl, with the open yes. border, with the cartels, uh, with, with, you know, I mean, you look at the Chicago uh, shooting and murder rate over the weekend. You look at uh, New York where people are being pushed into the subway. Uh, I mean, it's, it's like the country's just out of control. It really does feel that way. And I think a lot of people are sensing it. And yet I still just can't get wrap my mind around the idea. And I understand that they're diehard Democrats. But when we look and consider all things that are happening, although I do have a suspicion, Mr. Speaker, that that some Democrats just aren't willing to say, hey, I'm not voting Democrat this time. I do have a sneaky suspicion. Look, I, I think there are two groups that are going to help defeat them one is democrats who actually secretly are going to vote republican mm. and you're right they don't want to say it but the other is democrats who just decide not to go vote 
I think there's going to be a very dramatic drop-off in places like Philadelphia and the number of Democrats who are willing to go and vote because uh, they feel so betrayed on the issue of crime. To you, and I know everyone asks you this, but um, I, I would love to get it on my program as well, what some of your predictions might be for this midterm election. Well, I think in the House we're somewhere between plus 20 and plus 60 with the most likely number being 44. Uh, So uh, Kevin McCarthy will be the next speaker. In the Senate, I think we're somewhere between plus two and plus seven, depending on how big the wave gets. And uh, I think uh, the most likely number is probably plus four or five. Uh, So we will have a Republican leader in the Senate also. Uh, I think the governorships are going to be fascinating. We may win New York. Uh, We may win uh, Michigan. Um, there are just a lot of places now in Wisconsin, uh, Minnesota, um, Nevada. I mean, there are a lot of places in play that you might not have thought of uh, six or eight months ago. I don't think we did. As a matter of fact, they were that those some of those states that you named were states that originally were leaning um, uh, Democrat, and now we've seen that shift to GOP. And I love, well, in, in particular, Michigan. We've got Tudor Dixon that I've known. I've done some TV with her in the past. She's a wonderful woman. I think she will serve their state very, very well. In Arizona, we've got. I'll tell you what. Carrie Lake is someone to reckon with. I wouldn't want to go up against her either. No wonder Hobbs uh, declined yeah. any debates with her. Am I right? I think, I, you know, I think for somebody who hasn't even won yet, Carrie <laughs> Lake has somehow become a national figure. Yes. And uh, she has really struck a nerve with people. Yes. And she's willing to tell it like it is. She's not afraid of the media. I mean, she is really the defender of the people, I feel. I think that's right, and 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 she. And I noticed that in Pennsylvania, she endorsed the Republican candidate for governor. Yes, she did. And let me ask you this too: How much has New York surprised you? Is this a surprise to you? Well, no, because Hochul, uh, I think, uh, has been so bad on crime, and the problem there is so enormous that I'm not at all surprised. I think, um, and and Zeldin has run a good race, a very hard race. Yes, but that's another example where uh, the. Orthodox Jewish schools got attacked by the New York Times and then attacked by politicians on the left. And Zeldin stood up to defend them, and Hochul didn't. And I think the result is uh, about a million uh, Orthodox Jewish voters in New York. And I think as a group, they normally vote Democrat, but I think this year they're probably going to vote for Zeldin because uh, they see their very way of life being threatened by people who want to force transgenderism. Very interesting. Was there anything that surprised you this go around? Um, <clears throat> well, I, I think uh, Herschel Walker was a very pleasant surprise mm. when he won the debate against uh, Warnock because Warnock's a professional preacher. And uh, frankly, I thought Herschel did ama- an amazingly good job. I've always thought that Baldock could win in New Hampshire. He's now ahead. Because I always thought Maggie Hassan was the weakest Democrat in, in the candidate up for re-election. Uh, I think uh, Tiffany Smiley is a wonderful surprise. Yes. She's a, just a remarkable human being. And what she did with her husband when he lost both eyes to an IED and she worked and got the Army to agree for the first time in history to uh, keep on active duty somebody who was blind. Wow. Uh, you know, so... Uh, I mean, she, she's been one of the nicest surprises of the whole campaign. So there have been a lot of positive moments, I think. You know, when you mentioned Smiley, I uh, a lot of accounts that I've read 
uh, talk about how just everyone thinks that she's just had such a great positive attitude through all of this and uh, never really lost it. And now when you tell me the backstory, you know, about her husband, uh, this is a woman who's who's got a strong, a strong character, has got strong character. She's very strong and she's attractive and she's yes. articulate. And uh, right now I think she's tied uh, and, and I think Patty Murray's probably going to lose. All right. I have one last question for you, and that's uh, looking forward to the next presidential election. Uh, so much, you know, when you look at the Democrats, really, aside from Newsom and the only th- Newsom, the only thing that he has going for him is uh, his good looks. I suppose they think that's a plus, but I, I don't really see a strong field of potential candidates coming from the Democrat Party. And yet, when you look at on our side, the Republicans, we've got just so many stars out there. We really do. Um, yeah, I think I think there's no question that um, we we have really evolved in some very positive ways. Kevin McCarthy's done a great job. You know, every they they won 15 seats in 2020 when the experts thought they were going to lose 25. So that's a swing of 40 seats. Wow! And the 15 seats they won were all either minorities or women or both. Uh, and Kevin has really worked hard to create a broader, more dynamic Republican Party and to maximize the role of women and of minorities. And this is not the Republican Party of 20 years ago. This is a much better, much stronger and much broader party. You are so right. Not only is it not the same Democrat Party that you that your grandparents may have grown up with, but our party, the Republican Party, has changed immensely. It really has. And for the good. For the good. Yeah. All right. Well, um, Speaker Gingrich... Thank you so much for spending time with me. I really appreciate it. It's great and enjoyed it. Thanks. Thank you. Take, Take care. care of yourself. Bye-bye. This episode of Rose Unplugged was brought to you by MyPillow. MyPillow.com, promo code ROSE. Those are two things you need to remember. And listen, Mike Lindell is a patriot, all right? And he has been canceled in so many places. That's why I make an appeal to you to be sure to spend your money on those things that you need. If you need a pillow, if you need a dog bed, If you need sheets, if you need towels, if you need slippers, those slippers are amazing. I love them. Whatever you need, first go to MyPillow.com because I'll bet they have it. And they'll have it at a good price because you use my promo code ROSE in that little block that asks for it. Promo code ROSE, MyPillow.com. Let's cancel the cancel culture by supporting Mike Lindell and MyPillow. You'll find what you need at MyPillow.com. Promo code ROSE.